Imagine knowing exactly what your students are learning and exactly which steps you need to take next. Join us in Down With The Reading Quiz to craft meaningful and productive formative assessments that move away from gotcha moments of basic recall and toward assessing what your students actually can do. In this 30-minute free masterclass, we'll share three powerful assessment keys that work for any novel at any time of the year. Head to shop.bravenewteaching.com slash masterclass to sign up, and we'll also send you a free workbook to keep track of all your notes. Once again, that's shop.bravenewteaching.com slash masterclass to nail formative assessments forever. Hey, Amanda. Hey, Marie. What are you up to later? Want to join me for happy hour? I'm all in. And guess what's amazing? Our listeners and friends of the podcast can also join us because Brave New Teaching Happy Hour has officially launched. Cheers. Cheers, everyone. We are officially hanging out a little bit longer after school with an extended extra private podcast feed just for you. Yes. Members of Happy Hour get extra 15 minutes of the podcast, give or take, because you know us, we run a little bit long. It's just kind of how we are. But if you would like to get in on this Happy Hour action, please join us. It is only $5 a month. Head to curriculumrehab.com slash happy hour and get yourself signed up because when you're there, Amanda, tell our friends what we do every month for our Happy Hour members. I think my favorite part is coming up with a new free resource for our listeners every month. And then we pretty much break down that resource and how to use it. We also like to have guests on to do extended episodes and even Q&A that's just for you about that resource. It's really exclusive and super private just for you. So if you are like us and you like hanging out, you like chit-chatting about all things that are teaching, teacher life, and everything under that umbrella, join us for happy hour and we will see you there. Bye. Bye. Well, hello and welcome back to Brave New Teaching. Today, friends, we are finishing up a series on collaboration. This is our fourth of four episodes talking about collaboration. Let's say hi to Amanda before we do a little recap for you. Hi, Amanda. Hi, everybody. How's it going? I hope we're having a beautiful day wherever you are. Uh, I will say that here in San Diego in this mid-June, it is uncharacteristically sunny for early in the day. We normally have quite a bit of June gloom, so it doesn't like clear up too much until later. And it is gorgeous right now, which means it's going to be super hot. (laughs) And it is gorgeous in Chicago. We're uh, coming after a crazy storm and two really hot days. So we're kind of in this like beautiful, like 70-ish weather. Sunny's out. Sunny's out. The sun is out. Hey, Sunny, you're out. Hey, Sunny. I have to admit to the audience and to you, Marie, that I had a renewed interest in San Diego after watching the Top Gun you're second film. Oh, my word. I had forgotten that a lot of that takes place in San Diego. Yeah. I also had very low expectations for this film. And I am pretty hardcore obsessing about it. If people are on my email list, there are a lot of references to (laughs) Top Gun in upcoming emails. And I kind of sort of apologize for that, but not really. Not really. I am really excited to see it. I just got out of school, as you know, and our listeners may or may not know. Last week, last week's episode was my like came out on my last. I can't even talk. See, I'm not even ready to be a person. That's fine. Last week's episode came out on graduation day, on our last day of school. So I've been in like, go, 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 go. And now I'm ready to just not 
for a little bit and my brain is kind of there with me. So I am excited to like do things like go to the movies and 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 see like the beaches that you see in that movie. I live right here. I would like to go there. And so there's that's a, what I'm going to. There's a yeah. lot of football at the beach in that movie. There's a lot of football at the beach in San Diego. Instead of vo- Top Gun first round, it was volleyball. Now it's yes. football. Um, oh, and I'm not mad about it. Yeah, not mad. About I mean, it. it's it's a little bit of both. Like, it depends. Honestly, my Southern Californians, it depends on what beach you go to, like what what you see most of. But this is not an episode about football and volleyball at the beach, although it could be. <laughs> it not. I'm definitely not going to be part of that episode because I look at that and I think that is way too much physical activity for a place that's meant for relaxation. Well, no, I meant being spectators. Like we could just. <laughs> Oh, about watching people because I am I am yeah. wholly yeah. uncoordinated when it comes to like a ball, like I could do other yeah. stuff, but like the hand eye coordination when it comes to a ball of catching or throwing doesn't go well. And this is what this is one thing that look at we did not know this about each other because yeah. I am the opposite of you. I am very coordinated. I was a goalie for my soccer team from the age of twelve till my junior year of college. Well, there you go. I would not, you would have been like, get out of the way, Marie. Stop, stop trying to make fetch a thing. Whereas I was like, I'm going to go, I'm going to, I'm going to go on the sideline. I'm going to go. I was a competitive cheerleader. (laughs) I can do that. Oh my gosh. And I, I was a rolling around in the mud goalkeeper, like the muddier, the better. Yeah. I was just throwing, I was throwing people in the air and catching them and tumbling. Yeah. Yeah, It's very different. And the the ball thing, I just, anyways, (laughs) So as I said in the beginning of this intro, this is episode four of four in a collaboration series. If you head back four episodes, uh, we started this off talking about what collaboration is, what it can be, when it works, when it doesn't work, what we kind of call lone wolf syndrome. We've just kind of like, I mean, I doubt that we coined the phrase. I don't know. Had you heard that before or did we just say it and both accept it? No, but a lot of people messaged me about it and said, ooh, that episode spoke to my soul. So people knew exactly what we were talking about. Yeah, it's just that idea. Sometimes it does feel easier because sometimes it is easier to be a lone wolf, but it's not always like the best in the long run for various reasons. So check that one out. Um, Our second episode was actually an interview uh, with a friend of the podcast, Erin Castillo. She is Affirmations and Accessibility on Instagram and she's amazing. So make sure you check that one out. She and I talked all about like collaboration between general ed and sped and how to work as a team in the classroom and as stakeholders. And then we had an episode just this past week about collaborating with students. And today we're here to do a larger scope to uh, widen the perspective a bit and talk about collaborating with general, like the community at large when it comes to both individual students, a classroom setting, and the school as a whole. And we're excited to talk today because we've got some fun projects that we have done in the past that we want to talk to you about. Yeah, these are project ideas for you to take, maybe a little bit of advice, and definitely some honesty about the reality of this endeavor because communities can be challenging to bring into the fold. And, you know, I think Marie and I are here to acknowledge the challenge, but also look at the rewards and the huge steps forward um, that can be taken when more people are involved in that stakeholder community um, and the child's educational experience. Absolutely. But before we get into all of that, we need to cue the music. 
You're listening to Brave New Teaching, and we are so much more than a podcast. We give teachers the inspiration, support, and tools to challenge the status quo. I'm Amanda, and I'm a former English teacher from Illinois. And I'm Marie, and I'm a teacher from Southern California. Join us at bravenewteaching.com to find out more about our courses, festivals, and get every episode's show notes. We're so glad you're here. Enjoy the show. All right, everybody, let's rip the Band-Aid off a little bit. Let's talk about some of the really hard and sometimes scary, like intimidating parts of involving different parts of our community. Actually, before we can get there, we need to explain what we mean by community, don't we? Like collaborating with community, you're like, and that is. So when I say community, I mean, like starting at the student level, I mean, parents and family, right? Like, or like caregivers of a Mm -hmm. student. And Amanda and I, as we always kind of need to give the disclaimer are coming from the secondary from like the high school level. So if you are in middle school, if you're in elementary, translate this to what this means for you to like how, how this would actually make sense for your level of students. I mean, parents and caregivers or guardians, I mean, other teachers like that they might have. I mean, other stakeholders on campus. So that might be administrators, that might be case managers, that might be coaches, that might be a lot of different things. It starts to get overwhelming when you start naming all these people because you're like, I'm barely staying afloat as it is. Um, But we just want to kind of like communicate what that means. And then what am I missing in community? I I would say at least at the high school level for sure would be counseling department. Oh, yes, yes, um, yes. Any any sped department people that are kind of, whether they're case managers or they're just like co-teachers that float uh-huh. around and are always in kind of, the, whatever the student support roles are at your particular school, um, that crew, so, uh, our social workers. Um, we had a student resource officer who was yes, yes. wonderful at our, both of my places that I've been. Um, so those those are kind of the school community peeps that I think of when we talk about this. And so I think it can get really overwhelming, at least from my perspective, thinking of like including all of these people on like weekly emails or something like that. And so I have some ideas that I'll be sharing for you in a few minutes on ways that are more global that people can just stay informed or find the information somewhat painlessly if they need information on a kiddo. That's obviously not like a breach of confidence, but yeah, it can get kind of scary, especially in our current political climate, to really open your doors to a wide community and say, come on into my classroom. Because like I myself have been attacked in the past few months for things that were misinterpreted from my classroom that were like, uh, people kind of jumped onto something before they knew all the information, like without context, people being like parents. And so I I found myself wanting to shy away from sharing. And I was like, no, 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 that's not right. Let's do what's best for kids. So like we completely come to this conversation with a lot of compassion and complete understanding of what it is to not want to share everything all the time, because um, what we do as educators is under such a microscope as it should be. But like, under such scrutiny within that microscope. And that's the part that can be really hard. The scrutiny part gets hard when it's coming from people who are not the experts in what we have gone to school for. That's, I think, where I get very 
very frustrated is sometimes not just the need to know information, but the need to control some decisions that are, that, that really shouldn't be controlled by that person. Like specifically for me, I can admit to the podcast listeners, my greatest fear still to this day is dealing with parents. I mean, parents terrify me. I do it. It's part of my job, but I can say with total, like if, if someone were to interview me for a job and, you know, and if I go back to the classroom and they ask me about my weaknesses, I would say, are there enough hiding spots in the classroom where if a parent were to show up, I could comfortably hide? Because uh, usually it ends up being fine. Um, most parents that I've worked with have been wonderful. You, you know, it only takes for, you know, you've been teaching for however many years. It's still that kind of syndrome where one bad experience can yeah make you forget all of the good ones. Um, but, you know, I think if we're going to kind of jump into this, this section here, you know, I think Marie and I both have a few just mindsets and I hate to use this word, but hacks, I guess that, that really help manage this. And I would say, you know, as Marie's talking, I'm thinking about, yes, it's super hard to be open and vulnerable and like put yourself out there. But I've definitely found in my experience, the more I keep to myself, the worse yes. off I end up being uh, in terms of that communication piece, really. You know, I think um, that's kind of what kind of harkening back to that first episode in our series, The Lone Wolf. That lone wolf, the danger of the lone wolf is you're isolating yourself to the point where people don't know what's going on. And that people don't like that. That makes people nervous. And that's kind of where a lot of those misunderstandings can come from because there's not power in a team or, or numbers of a I was just gonna say no one can have your back if they don't know what you're doing yes. no one no one can back you no one can support what is going on no one can help if they don't know what you're doing and I myself have been very guilty of just like going inward and it wasn't because it was like no one can help me it, I could not see outside of my own perspective. Like it was just so that overwhelm that happens if you're a new teacher, if you're doing something new, if it's just a hard year, if it's uh, you've got a hard case, like whatever it is, it totally is understandable. But we're having this conversation to help us remember that the village is there for a reason. Obviously, it looks different in different situations because we're going to have listeners that like write in and be like, yeah, that would be great if I totally get that. I've been there. I understand. We're just trying to help like open yeah. our own perspectives, right? Of like, how can I seek support or like open myself up for support? And I think for me, like one of the things that helped me with that process, I actually refined thanks to COVID. Google Classroom was doing a lot of things for me in terms of like mainstreaming that communication and keeping things all in one place. Um, but I found that like still with, and I'm not using, I've only used Google Classroom. I've never used Canvas or other things. So I mm -hmm. can only speak to that experience. Um, but some of the limitations in Google Classroom are that you can't really see like day to day what's going on in the classroom. You see a list of assignments, you see announcements, it can kind of be a lot too. Um, so what I one thing that has helped me was I started a Google site. So I am not going to email anybody once a week. I mean, really, I mean, I can't do I can't do that. I can't create fresh information for people right. to consume every week about what's going on. But I can build a site with a template and kind of house everything there. And what my Google site and I will put in the show notes for everyone. I have a little walkthrough. Um, you can steal that template from me if you want as well. Uh, but it, it served as a place for 
everyone in that community to go and see what's going on. But it also, and almost more beneficially sometimes, made my my job dealing with absenteeism a thousand times easier. Because no one asked me, what did I miss yesterday? Because <laughs> it well, was already spelled out on the site. Yeah, I mean, and and honestly, even if you were emailing every single week, as a parent of two <laughs> elementary school-aged children, yeah, the sheer right. number of emails I get, I have to filter them. I, yep. I Like, A, as a teacher, I'm getting a buttload of emails anyways, like coming in from my school side of things, but then also from my kids. And they're in two different classes. That Yes, they're at the same school, but like it's so hard and you miss things. If I just know one place to go for the information that I seek, then I go to that place for the information that I seek. And there you go. And it's going to take a little bit of training. It always does of everybody, of students, of parents, of, you know, all stakeholders. Hey, teachers, I have a question for you. Are you just finding out that you're teaching AP for the first time? Or are you someone who teaches honors English and you'd really like to know more about advanced coursework and what your students can expect moving forward? Maybe you're in a position where you're ready to start building stronger vertical articulation. If you're in any of these positions, I want to let you know that there is an amazing summer PD option for you, and that is coming to you from my dear friend, Tim Freitas. He has put together some English AP summer workshops that are going to absolutely blow your mind. In Tim's workshops, he gives you more than what you could possibly imagine, scaffolding, vertical articulation, and he really is seeking to empower teachers with the everyday practices and techniques that can be applied to all levels of instruction, not just your AP courses. You're also going to get the chance to meet some best-selling authors, interact with some leading educators in the field, and get so many other cool perks. If you are interested, please visit The Garden of English at www.thegardenofenglish.com. And when you sign up for your registration, make sure you use my code, and that is capital MUD and INC all caps. And we're going to have a great time this summer. I can't wait to see some of these workshops. And I know these are going to help you as you build your stack and your tools as an AP teacher. Good luck and see you over there. This kind of brings us to uh, the bigger idea of all of those community members, all of those coaches, all of those, like if you've got somebody like this has happened to me a number of times where I have a student athlete who is on some sort of academic probation and the coach is asking me rather than me sitting down and listing it all out, I can say, have them open up their grade book and see what's missing. Here's the site with all of the things that they should have done. You know what I mean? And it it also puts the accountability back on the student. So again, like this is high schoolers, but like, it just creates that hub. Um, and that is something that I got away from doing last year. Cause I, it's like yeah. half this, what was the episode we were talking about? Oh, bell ringers. Remember I just forgot to do bell ringers for like, yes. I did them for like the first three weeks of the year. And then I just stopped. Yep. I definitely needed them, but I just like forgot to do them. <laughs> something like this, a hub, a site. I think I might use a site. That was what I had planned to do because I saw you have so much success with it. But like, I would just make like a running 
Google slide, you know, with like yep. da- maybe not daily agendas because that can get really lengthy, but just like weekly or monthly yep. or whatever so that people can see it all in one place. It really does help quite a bit. And if you get super into it, you can start hyperlinking things, but you don't have to get that fancy. You can just have a running list or literally a Google Doc with each week happens yes. up at the top, yes. Monday through Friday, Monday through Friday. And the idea is to create something that's going to be usable for you in a variety of different ways. And it's not, yep. we don't want to create a one solution for communicating with parents, one solution for communicating with the, you know, the academic team, one solution, right. right? We want, we want one solution that's going to communicate with all the peeps, all the students and serve me as like an organizational system in my classroom. So like what I would do is I would use kind of my Google site was where my students went for the agenda for the day to Mm -hmm. get where they needed to be. And then my Google classroom, I kind of used as an old fashioned uh, turn in bin. It's an inbox. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So I kind of, I, I, you, that's how I was able to utilize both without it being overwhelming. Well, and like you can link from one to the other and reciprocally so that it's a little bit less, it's a little bit more seamless, right? Um, and it just, that's when you said like, don't create different systems. I would say if you're listening to this and you're kind of going, okay, I think I could do this, but I'm not quite sure. Or like, I don't want to start something new. Think about what you're already doing. What are you already doing that you could just use? What do you already create? Do you create, like I create a different slide deck for every unit, right? So I could take the, there's always a calendar slide on there. I could take that and use it somewhere. Or I could just have a running document that has a link to each of these different slide things that says, this is the date range of this slide, like slide deck. This is the date range of this slide deck. And it is that simple. It's just a doc. And yeah, people are going to have to click around, but guess what? clicking around is still more information than they had before. So it's helpful. Um, Yeah. And it's just a way that we can help other people stay informed. And then when the inevitable emails do come in of, Hey, what's going on? What's going on? Have a nice little blurb that you've already got in like a note that you keep on your phone, keep on your desktop, whatever that says, hi, I am so happy or like, you know, I'm happy to keep you informed. Take a look here. Here's the link with all the information and I keep it updated regularly and then keep it updated regularly. And then it's already, you just copy and paste and send it off. And then you're being polite and helpful and it's easy. And we talk about this a lot. If you're, when you're at the point where you're ready to get back to school, Marie and I talk a lot about this in our episode about creating a functional classroom setup. Mm -hmm. This is the same idea is where can you overlap your successes (laughs) in streamlining? This is also something very hard to do when you're new. So give yourself a break and remember one thing at a time. Uh, But as you're getting more advanced in your career, start to kind of take note of, you know, how you can overlap things to kill lots of birds with one stone. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that is the thing that it's the overwhelm that'll kill you. <laughs> like it'll just, I'll take you down, not kill you. It'll just, it'll, what it'll do is it'll squash your motivation. That's what it'll yes. do. Yeah. Yes. And, and Marie and I talk about that all the time. And, and that's kind of why, I mean, just to, just to circle it all back to curriculum rehab, this is just one more reason to very seriously think about whether or not this is the summer to be the kind of teacher who has a vision for their whole year at the first day of school. It's exhausting to live a life of planning day by day, week by week, scraping by unit by unit. Yeah. Like if you've got, you've got, yeah, it is. I I have nothing to add to that other than yes. 
It's hard. Well, and it's a reality <laughs> depend like especially when you're changing or you're starting something new. Like there's there are unavoidable circumstances where this has to be like a survival mode kind of thing. But as you can get out of that, we want you, whether it's curriculum rehab or something else, we would love to help you find a way to create like plans for your year so that this isn't something that's hanging over your head all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, so let's let's zoom out a little bit then, shall we? Yes. Let's yeah. let's zoom out and see beyond the communication piece because that's the biggest thing I think with collaborating is communication everywhere and 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 so we're not necessarily saying collaborating in this level with like community with parents and guardians with uh, other stakeholders on like a s- student level that isn't taking all the input. It's mostly the collaboration is the output so that they can be supportive of that student and of you in other places because they know what's going on. Let's talk now about like the more global campus sense and what sorts of collaboration can just make for different types of benefits on campus. Am I saying that right? Yeah. You've got a really cool thing that you did. And then I want to talk about a project I did this past year. Yeah. So project wise and like, you know, see beyond the communication and looking into the opportunity of working together, I would say the signature moment of my career. It's like sad to say that because I feel like I'm still just getting started, but I, I don't know if this will ever be possible ever again, was running a project called Challenge to Change. And um, this is something that came from, if you listened a few weeks ago to from my unicorn team. Uh, mm-hmm. We all kind of got together and we were the sophomore team, gen, you know, the general um, thread team. And we kind of had the same conversation all the time with around the sophomore level. And this is kind of similar. I think if you teach seventh grade, it's the middle child syndrome of that collective experience of like the, the grade levels, the middle child gets really neglected. Sophomores, there's nothing totally. sophomore year. Nothing. This is like blowing my mind. You're totally right. Junior right? year, you start to get all the like academic real rigor yes. and like push, push, push. Senior year, you're celebrating seniors. And ninth grade is just a, a mixed bag of, you you're don't know. Welcome. <laughs> yeah. <Good> orientation. <laughs> We're going to give you a break. We're going to give you a tour. We're going to give you a mentor sometimes. And like sophomores, you're like, you're back. Like, whatever, no one cares. <laughs> Fill the space. And I think that they can Aww. feel that. I think that they can feel that. And and we had we had talked about this a lot. And and so that's kind of where this idea began. Also, this kind of came from a very um it's not quite relevant anymore, but there was a huge common core push at our school at the time too, of making sure that the department covered like legitimately every standard. It was it was crazy. And so we're like, let's let's you know, for me, like my solution to covering standards is to create a project. <laughs> Projects are a great way to like throw standards on a checklist and, uh, you know, call it a day. So it's, it's we, also more real world. Like you're kind of is. belittling it, but it's also like the real world experience of like, you don't do many things in a vacuum. No way, no way. And so yeah. we, we were like, okay, how can we kind of get some of these non-literature standards, because we were, you know, you're we handling those in our novel units, we were handling a lot of the, the same standards over and over again, like, how can we do that, plus do something that's going to be special for sophomores. And so this project was born out of a lot of weird angles, but it eventually mm-hmm. ended up becoming a semester long culmination project. So the culmination happened at the end of the semester, like in May, June, but we started the project in January and then we basically did it in stages 
across the semester. And so it began with um, Shane Koizan's poem, To This Day. If you've never listened to this day, uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful piece about bullying and standing up to bullies. And we kind of use that to launch into this idea of, you know, what what do you care about? You know, what, what do you want to see changed in this world? And saying it out loud feels so corny, but the students, I mean, they loved, they loved it. And yeah, it gave them some categories. They started the brainstorming process. And so they would choose their category. Then they would narrow it down. Were they going to help um, like something that we're talking about community, they would look at their spheres, right? Is it something to help themselves, their family, um, their friends, their school, their community or the world. And like, they could kind of go wherever they wanted in terms of topics. Um, it became a research project at that point where yeah, like a passion did. project, right? Exactly. Yeah. And that was kind of like the February, March aspect was more of the research. Um, and then kind of side by side with that, the students also had a, uh, memoir project. So they would have to choose a memoir from somebody in their, in that category of what uh-huh, they were researching. Uh-huh. So there was a nonfiction component to that. That was like a long-term lit circle kind of thing. Like we didn't, it wasn't in a singular unit. They read it over the course of two and a half months. And then we talked about the book and the research kind of together around April. And then the final stage of the project was that they had to go do something. The stage was called do something. And so students had to create some kind of active change, support, um, something that actually took action on what they researched uh, or what they read. So a great example would have been like students like, I want to help the homeless. It's like, okay, if you've taught for a little while and you've done something like this, you know that students are like so sweet with their intentions but then like the, their pers- their, is- yeah, their perspective oh, yeah. is so skewed. They they just don't know what they don't know because they're new and green to the world. Yeah. And, and that's exactly why we tried to tie it into research. We said, you know, they were like, I'm going to go to Chicago and I'm going to hand out Subway sandwiches. And we were like, okay, you're not going to do that. You're going to go back to the research and you're going to look at, cause we kind of use this um, metaphor of a tree, right? Like the symptoms and the, the root, the root of the problem. And then like the solutions, it was something like that. And, uh, and we actually kind of steered students back when they proposed their do something that their do something had to be based in, in research that was going to be affecting the kind of change that that issue actually needed. Um, so some, you know, some students made, um, YouTube videos and like mm-hmm. shared them out with, you know, emailed them to their family. Some students made posters cause we still did posters back then, um, and hung them around the school. They did all kinds of things. You know, we talked about the effectiveness and the, the impact of different decisions. It was wonderful. Um, and then a lot of students really did go into the community and we relied on the community, um, to help our kids do some of their projects and local bookstores, our local Dairy Queen, I feel like was always involved. If, do, you, do you guys have Dairy Queen in San Diego? Yep. 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 Is Dairy Queen like super involved in your schools too? I feel like Dairy Queen's always handing out coupons and like, they're just super friendly. I don't know. That might just be know. your franchises. Like our Dairy Queen's Maybe. cool. Like I, I love me a dipped cone, but I don't Maybe. know that. This episode hmm. is not sponsored by Dairy Queen, but it could be. But it could be. Dairy Queen, let us, DQ, let us know. And then the best part was the culmination. So I'm at the end of the story, which is a long one, but I hope, <laughs> I hope it's giving you some ideas um, because the last part's the best part, you know, the, the volunteering and the going to the community was always kind of messy. Um, but when, at the end of the day, it was a, the presentation component was where the special event was. So mm-hmm. we reserved the school for an evening, kind of like 
students get honors night. They get all these, you know, like, but only yeah. certain kids have that. Not this, not this case. All sophomores had it. And so we reserved all the classrooms on the third floor and kind of had a, what, it was like a conference. I was just so going to say, had, it's, it sounds well, like a mini conference. Yeah. It was a conference. And I made, I made a booklet that had all of the sessions and session titles. And I coordinated 250 students turning in session titles and putting them in rooms and time slots and like, it was so insane. I mean, it was just, it was so much, but you could basically go in session one, you chose the one classroom you would go to and the classrooms were categorized by their topics. So you could go to the um, global warming room uh, in session one and then session two, which was the next half an hour, you could go to the homelessness room and then in the third session, you could go somewhere else. So you could kind of, you couldn't see everything, but you could go and see like six sessions or sorry, six presentations in a single session. So, so, yeah, so were the kids just kind of like there with like yes. their trifolds and stuff. And it was like science exactly. for style in each session. That's brilliant. One year we did science for style. And then one year we did it. We wanted them all to do a digital presentation. So they just kind of went in order. So the first student went, then the next, then the next, then the next. That's awesome. And it was, it was so, and, and, they complained about it the entire semester. Let's be clear. Oh, hundred percent. Well, they're day. kids. They're not, not kids. They're kids. But you should have seen, right? And this, again, if you've been around the block for a minute, you know that that night, even though they complained about coming to school one day of the entire year in the evening, and they had a whole fit about it, they showed up in suits and ties, cute little outfits that they picked out weeks ahead of time. They were beaming with pride. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the day after, they walked around that school like they were freaking seniors. Yeah. Well, because they've made something that's their mark. Right. Like they've, they've, they've not just used their voice, but they've used their voice and they feel legitimate in it. Like, and you created that space. The other detail that I forgot to include was, well, I can't believe I forgot this, but we also somehow managed to coordinate by we, I mean, I, okay. I'll, I'll Uh be, Uh I coordinated all this because I got, I I loved this. Not because I had to, I loved this. Um, But we had a grader in every room. So they were, they were assessed by someone who was not their teacher. That's amazing. It was, it took a long time for everyone to like understand like what this all looked like and how that was fair and blah, 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 blah. Right. There's a lot of ways that this, like the presentation was the last section of a like 400,000 point project. So like really it was not the end of the day, but they were presenting for someone that wasn't me. And like the authenticity of that experience was phenomenal. And that is so good for them. And at the end of the day, if the teacher didn't agree with a grade, like we overrode it. And most of the grading was very like holistic. Um, But we invited in community members. We had the mayor of our town one year came in and he was a grader and kids didn't know who was grading that, who was grading them until they got there. Cause otherwise they would have crapped their pants. Freaked out. Yeah. Um, Yeah. The principal graded a couple times. Um, we had uh, school board members who came in and graded. We had uh, alumni, like students who came back and graded. And so it was really cool to just see. It was amazing. I mean, I just feel warm and fuzzy talking about it. That's and that so was cool. Finest. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and it, I will say, and obviously I don't have quite the like view on this that, I could because I'm inside of the school, but I do kind of wonder for those like parents specifically or community members who are extremely critical of a school, if they're 
critique comes from not knowing what we're doing and just jumping to conclusions. And if they had the opportunity to really see what we're doing and really see what students are given the opportunity to do, if some of that, not all of it, because some of it is we're totally like pawns in some people's stories, like I'm I'm there. Um, But I do wonder how much of the bandwagoning on some of that would be mitigated by people being able to see what students, how students are growing and flourishing and like how much of it is student driven and how really amazing our kids are and how we want to see that. Like that really is why we're there. Um, So I think that that's just like a beautiful way of opening those doors. Well, like you, like you said earlier too, I think we feel like being closed off is the answer to kind of keep things to ourselves. But the more we open them, I think the more that mystery of what's going on or do I matter, like that starts to fade away. Um, the more we give opportunities for the community to be physically part of the process and part of the school in a capacity that's appropriate for them. <laughs> right, right. Because there's a reason yeah. that we are the ones standing in front of a class. And there's a reason that some of our critics aren't like, this is what we're, yeah. Anyways, that's, that's a podcast for another day. Okay. Well, tell me your idea. I want to hear all about you. Okay. So, and Amanda has heard about pieces of this. I don't know if you've heard the whole entire thing though. Like I've done a lot of different, I, in my, in my years, I have done a lot of different school wide events and that sort of a thing. But I will say that one that I did this year under the umbrella of like equity and inclusion was, I think I'm like finally on to something. And I am really hoping we continue this in the future with a team of, colleagues on my campus. There were five, six of us that put together. um, I kind of spearheaded though, because I had the like vision, a college and career day for our entire junior class. And that is over 600 kids. So little like perspective for you there. And what we did, it's kind of like Amanda was saying, like conference style. So our kids have four periods in the day. We go period one, break, two, three, lunch, four, 88 minutes per period. This is important because we had them rotating around to different sessions for periods one, two, and three. And we really focused on college and career. So each student saw five different sessions. No, they saw six different sessions within each of those, like within that first part of the day. (laughs) It's going to take me a minute because I was so in it. And I only did this like a month ago, but I'm still like, wait, what did I do? So as a junior, I got a Google form about a week or two before the actual event. It was on a Friday um, in May. And in that Google form, I was given like, oh my gosh, what was it? Like 10 different options that I had to rank in like first, second, third, and fourth of sessions that I would want to go see. And those were things like seeing some military, like we had, we had, uh, different representatives from different branches of our military. We had one that was, Oh, we had some DEA agents. We had engineers come to talk about engineering. We had some, um, people from medical field. We had a couple of nurses and physicians assistants. We had, so we had all these different like categories and like business, actually my cousin and her fiance who work at zoom and Google came and talked about like being in the business world. We had somebody from our district office come and talk about working in education at different levels of education. So they had all of these different career fields to choose from and to like prioritize. Um, And then we also had 
some representatives from, I'm going to get the name of the organization totally wrong, but it was an organization that has to do with like college acceptance, come and do a college applications workshop and talk about how to apply for both university. Well, cause we're in California. So like the CSU, the California state university and the UC system talk about those apps. And then also a community college, because a lot of our kiddos do the community college route and then go to a four year afterwards. So that was a session. We had a session on what to expect out of senior year. Like, and we had some seniors from like current seniors talk about the entirety of their senior year. Since it was May, they were able to talk about college apps. Sure. But also just like being a senior in the fall, being a senior in the winter, what to expect out of when acceptances start coming out and that kind of thing. So we had all these different uh, sessions. And so our juniors attended three sessions that were everybody went to. They did the college and community college and trade school. That was also included in that application session. They did the here's what to expect out of senior year, senior panel Q&A session. And they did one that was put on by one of our coaches who is also our counseling tech and like one of my good friends. And he's everybody. He's like that guy. Everybody on campus knows him. He knows. I swear to you, he knows every kid's name. This man is amazing. And he gave them a whole like this is our community. We're the Broncos at my school, like chat of here is what we are here for. Here are all of your opportunities. Yes. They did those three. And then their other two sessions were in their career fields. We give them their first and second options. So (laughs) it was a lot. I coordinated with a lot of friends, like called in a lot of favors on campus because we had to find not just the people to come and present, but the actual rooms for them to present in. So I was working with junior teachers and using their classrooms and using prep period classrooms and using all of the different spaces, our library, our multipurpose room, our gym, our theater, like all of these different places on campus. And then a lot like you did coordinating and giving everybody a schedule for like where to go and when and how to pass and blah, 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 blah. It was a lot of coordinating. We called in a lot of favors. So talk about like leaning on our community. We had our PTSA help and provide, um, breakfast for all of our speakers. We had current seniors be there as ambassadors to help the speakers get to the rooms they needed to get to and to make sure that students knew where to go. It was a huge communal effort and it created such a cool opportunity for our juniors so that they could see not it's not just college. Like it's not just community college and university that they're going to be doing applications and thinking about like it's trade school. It's just different stuff to expect out of senior year and trying to keep them as informed as possible in a really formalized way that everybody got all of the same information. Yeah, it was a lot. I, okay. I want it's cool. everyone to, whether you're driving, walking, <laughs> gardening, whatever you're doing, make sure you're safe before you do this. But I want you to raise your hand. <laughs> a little part of you gets excited thinking about, I've got a really long list spreadsheet and I need to now organize where they're going to go, what rooms, what times. And like your little logistics heart gets a little happy. Cause like that to me, sounds. I know my hand is up. Marie and I talked about this a while ago, but like, I think in another life we were probably in a parting planning business. Like we maybe were wedding plan coordinators together. Yeah. That's a joyful 
a joyful thing. And what an amazing result for students. I mean, selfishly, I love highlighting and coordinating some classrooms, but I mean, no, that's totally. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I say all of that, like long spiel, like it was a lot. And now that we've like done it once, I feel like this is probably how it was for you. Once you do something like that yes. and you involve so many different parts of the school and community at large, it's a lot. Once you do it a couple times, or even just once you've got a model for it, like you were saying, people didn't know what it was until they saw it. Same thing. Now that they've seen it, it's like, oh, and then you got parents going, so are you going to, my kid's a sophomore, you're doing this next year, right? And I'm like, let's just see what kind of support we get there. That's a lot. Like, I hope so though. Yeah. And I think to kind of wrap this episode up, I mean, we definitely did a classic Amanda and Marie, which was zoom in, zoom out. I mean, we started with a Google site and we ended with involving massive amounts of people in an effort to change the lives of children forever. Um, And so I think that that's why hopefully you're here is that there's a little bit for everyone, depending on the stage of your career. Uh, I don't want any of these, our, our two examples shouldn't be the norm for a new teacher who's like, I need to involve the community. So now I need to start a massive project that involves oh gosh, yeah, 400 people. Like that's not what we're, that's not what we're about, but we are about kind of helping teachers at different points in their career. And I think for me, making that effort to do something more grand, something more involving, that was like a creative outlet and push that I was ready for at that point in my career that kept things really exciting for me. I had a lot of my other sections kind of on, not on lockdown, like I wasn't adapting to their needs, but like I had taught those classes a few times and it wasn't like I had... my, my day looked different. And that was something that I wanted to work on personally. So, you know, we want, we hope that there's some point in this episode, you feel like there is something you could grab onto and, or even aspire to if you've ever had something like this on your mind and didn't know if it was possible. And maybe if you start to hear about opportunities where you could get involved in something that, that involves the greater community, see where you can say yes, because like Amanda was saying, it sounds overwhelming to come out of the lone wolf syndrome, whatever, like, you know, to whatever degree you're at on that spectrum of being a lone wolf. But once you start to see, I don't know, once you start to open up and see, it does get less scary and it does get easier and it does get more fun, frankly. That's why we've been talking for four episodes about collaboration, because we are both very social people and we have a feeling that many of you are deep down as well, kind of social beings. And I think that's what makes schools better. Yes. When schools are collaborative and no shade to any admins listening, but like this is a bottom up procedure. <laughs> um, t- this almost always starts. Well, a lot it of doesn't these, have like, to be. It doesn't <laughs> have to be. <laughs> I guess I'm speaking from my own experience. Like a lot of these efforts have always been teacher up and then with support of admin have gone really well or have not. And it's just, I don't know. I think that we want to encourage you all to think about your life beyond the classroom and how you might involve other people and be part of the school in a bigger way, not in a way that takes away from your energy, but in a way that feeds your energy, feeds your sense of belonging for yourself, you know, in being, when you feel part of a school, just like we say with students, when we, we try to make them feel this way, it's for us too. When you feel like you're part of things, it makes going to work that much more enjoyable. It makes the work that you're doing in your class, classroom feel more palpable because you can see its ripple effects throughout the rest of, of the building and the community at large. Yeah. And I will say like, I've definitely gone too far and, and, and pushed too much of my own energy out and like bitten off more in this past year, I bit off more than I could chew. So like, 
we're being totally transparent and honest about that piece of it. Like I am seeing now where it's like, I got to pick and choose as we all do. And we all learn that lesson over and over and over again, because we're all still evolving human beings. But I feel like we could go on and on and on about this, but we don't have time. And our listeners certainly don't at this moment to listen. So we are going to leave you with a like collaboration is always going to be the right choice. It is always going to be hard and it sometimes might not be the exact right fit, but striving for collaboration is not something to uh, shy away from because even if it doesn't work out, you're still learning. You're learning how to collaborate, how not to collaborate, what works for you and what doesn't. And it's always going to be better for students if we try to include more people and voices. And if you're struggling with that, start with us. Start with the social media platforms that are out there. Start with a Facebook group. Start collaborating with strangers um, and see what kind of amazing things come from that. And then bring that into another part of your school. Yeah. Get your sea legs. Yeah. Bring bring it to them and bring, um, you know, baby steps forward and see where it takes you. Totally. Friends, thank you so much for joining us today. And if you've been here for the whole series, thank you for joining us. If you missed any pieces of the series, go ahead and take a look backwards. We are going to be back at you next week with some summer fun, actually. We are pretty uh, excited. Do I have my numbers right? I do. Yes, you do. We're going to be back at you with some summer fun because as we are recording this, it is the beginning of summer and we are getting pretty pumped. So until we meet again, friends, thank you so much. And we will see you next time. Thanks again for listening to Brave New Teaching. We'd love to keep the conversation going over on Instagram. And while you're there, check out the links in our bio for the most up-to-date events going on in the Brave New Teaching community. Thanks for being here and have a great week at school.